This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only. And I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com. And if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written, published article, Who Is at the Helm? From 1965, it's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage show from 324.94, the earliest show in the archive, 324.94. My interview with Donald Trump from 110.2011. 110.2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Well, how are you today? Nice to see you. Can you hear me now? I'm just joking. There's actually a book from years ago by that title, but... 
Hi, everybody. This is going to be a uh, Rosh Hashanah service. It could last five minutes. It could last 50 minutes or 50 seconds. I'm not sure. I am motivated because I'm just motivated. And tonight's sermon is entitled, There Are No Atheists in an ER Room. Now, we've all heard the phrase, there are no atheists in a foxhole. But I'm given to trying to create originality, even if it's a takeoff, a derivative of something that came before it. So there are no atheists in an ER room. I went to a small, new, little Jewish temple today. I'm not a religious person. I want to be very clear. I'm not a religious figure. I'm not a rabbi. I'm not a teacher. No, I'm a teacher, educator, entertainer. But I'm a learner more than anything else. And as I learn, I like to share my learning. It's ufaratsu, go forth amongst the people. Whether it was collecting plants or studying nutrition or studying various healings. I was not really a healer. I was a learner and a teacher, meaning a vehicle. So let me be a vehicle for you today. So I go to this little new place that was opened by these wonderful missionaries called Chabad. They're like Jewish missionaries all over the world. They're harmless, nice people, beautiful people. And um, they give out these books and stuff, you know. It's the holiday, it's the beginning of the Jewish New Year. They blow the shofar, S-H-O-F-A-R, no jokes needed. It's fourth grade jokes about the shofar and all that. Rosh Hashanah, 5783. It's a cheerful holiday, the Jewish New Year, 5783. Why do I go to these things when I'm not a religious man? Why did I take the time to get up, to get ready, to get dressed, to go over and to read the prayer book? If I'm not religious, why do I do it? Well, it marks time for me. The seasons really begin just going back to school years. Don't your seasons really begin in September? Kids go back to school. You went back to school. It always seems like the new year to me is more naturally in late September, October than it is in January. But... Of course, there's a seasonality to it based upon our history as agricultural people. Harvest season, etc. End of this, beginning of something else, a renewal. So to me, it's a renewal. And um, a few of my friends have passed away recently, so it's not really a, that big. A, I used to like going to the, the San Francisco where they held it in the Fairmont Hotel, and my friend Maurice who passed away. A blessed memory this year, Maurice Cambar would be there. We'd have fun. I was not the really, we would sit in the lobby and talk. I'd always buy people drinks in the bar. To me, it was more of a party than it was, as you know, anything else. But I would like to go downstairs and hear the ultra-pious do their thing. Because without the ultra-pious, we'd have nothing. Do you understand why they're important, the ultra-pious, whether they're Jewish or Christian or Buddhist or Hindu, whatever they may be, the ultra-pious keep mankind glued to the good. I don't want to hear about the bad. I'm sick and tired of all of the atheists who think they have the answer to everything. They don't have the answer to anything. That's why the country is dying. They put in district attorneys like Alvin Bragg who let people rob, mutilate, beat people up with, with no bail. Portland is burning again. Philadelphia, mobs of youth, teens, ransacking stores with no, no punishment. 
because of another district attorney put in by George Soros, the evil, and his money. What does this have to do with Rosh Hashanah? Everything. Everything. Because when you lose your connection to morality of right and wrong, then you have what's going on now in America. You lose your connection to right and wrong, that's what you have. That is what liberalism is. A disconnect from morality leads to this kind of mayhem. And they say, well, why? Why? It's not because of the conservatives or the right wing. It's because of the, it's because of the left wing. Do as you will. Fasik havudra, going back, going back. All of the liberal, the liberal movements were all based upon do as you will, and it leads to revolution, which is what they want. So now they're looting stores. Soon they'll be looting your neighborhood. They'll be stealing your house from you and telling you it's justice. Break the borders down, bringing millions of illegal aliens who do not speak your language, do not respect your laws. Or what do you think is going to happen? So I go to this little temple today. So the man, the rabbi asked me to give a small talk. First, he asked me to read from the Holy Scriptures called the Torah. And I, I said, I went like this. No, because I'm not a religious man. I don't really need to do that. There are people who do that. I don't feel comfortable faking the Hebrew. I, I don't understand Hebrew. It's a complicated language. I studied it for years. I have enough trouble trying to make my English perfect. I'm still learning English words, English punctuation. I'm still learning synonyms and antonyms of my own language. I don't have time to study another language and learn it to, to any extent. So let me stick to the language I know. So I said, I go to him like this. So he's okay. So I come up. I didn't know what to say to the small crowd, but I thought about what I was going to say before I got up. So I said, I'll tell them the story that I'm about to tell you, my wonderful friends here on YouTube. But before I do, I just got a call from my son who lives in another state, and I miss him dearly. My children are dispersed across the world, and uh, I'm stuck here in the most horrible state on earth, going into the toilet bowl of humanity. I've never seen anything like this, getting worse by the day. But I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. My dog is buried at the hill, up at the hill. I love the climate here. So therefore, this is my home. I've been here for so many years, uh, since 1974. That's a long time, right? 45 years. It's part of me. I like cooler weather. I like the water. So I'm here. So I get a call from my son, and he says, Dad, I'm walking down the street, and my neighbor is a religious Jew with two young children, he came over to me and he said, your father's YouTube piece on wrapping tefillin and unifying the body, the heart, and the mind for God is famous in the Jewish community now. I said, wow, I don't know that. I know nothing about that, right? That's nice to hear. He said, I just wanted you to know it, Dad. So I figured, you know, since there were people who related to that story about the tefillin, I thought I would do a sermon number two. So I'm going to tell you the story. So I go into this little makeshift temple. They rented a small room in a hotel. And I said, what am I going to say to the people? So here's what I said to the people. This is my high holy day service, 5783. Maybe there'll be another one at the end of the season, at the end of the cycle of 10 days. We go into the, for those of you who are Jewish and lost your connection to your own religion and those who are not Jewish and would like to know more, we call these the 10 days of awe. We believe or it is believed, or it's taught, I should step back a little so the crown of the hat's back. For, we believe that during these 10 days of awe, 
God is tuning into us as we try to tune into him. And God determines whether or not we shall be written into the book of life for the next year. And that's why Jews, when they see a fellow Jew this time of year, they say, Shana Tuva, Shana Tuva, I mean, may you be written in the book of life. That's all it means. So, you know, it's, like it's a child's thought. It's a child's thing. All right, so be a child with me. Shana Tova to all of you listening. I don't care what your religion is. I don't care if you're a liberal, ACDC, or foot power. Shana Tova, may you be written into the book of life. So anyway, that's what the holiday is. So I get the call and I say, you know what? I'll do the YouTube thing. So what is the YouTube thing going to be? It's going to be what I said today in this little makeshift rented temple. And all my life, I've been in makeshift, makeshift religious places. I really don't feel good in firm, established religious places. But I've tried them. I go all the way back to New York when I met Brother Billy on the streets, who was a white evangelical preacher who, I was a young guy with, with a little Volkswagen. He was preaching on the street, Brother Billy, and one of these great preachers yelling at the crowd. I love the guy. And I struck up a friendship with him. I was a little crazy in those days. And I said, one word led to the other. And he said, you really want to see religion? Come with me to a black church in Harlem. I went around to 10th Avenue and I got my Volkswagen with him and we drove uptown, parked somewhere in Harlem. And I went into this Pentecostal, I think it was, I don't know what it was, Pentecostal. No, Abyssinian. It was an Abyssinian church in Harlem. Well, when we walked through that door, you want to feel holy. You can feel the holy coming out of those doors because the floors were shaking, the walls were moving, the air was resonating with God in that temple, in that black Abyssinian temple. I'll never forget it. And I have felt the same thing a few other times in religious places, never in formal churches, never in uh, beautiful big synagogues. I feel nothing. It's like going back to a school assembly. I can't wait to get out of there. I'm like, I just can't wait to go. I don't feel, they fake the, the, the emotion. They don't feel anything. I can tell you right now, there's nothing. They do the ritual and the shaking and the this and the, the foot moving forward, the moving backward and moving left and moving. I don't feel it. They don't feel it. It's called ritualistic meaninglessness. You want to feel it. Go to an Abyssinian, go to an, no, I, yeah, Abyssinian church. Michael Savage, a host like no other. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Now, the other place I felt it once was I went to Brooklyn in the 70s when I went through another religious phase uh, a long time ago. And I went to Brooklyn, 77777 Eastern Parkway. And I walked into a room of 4,000 Hasidic men in black coats. I also felt it then. I also felt it in villages in the Fiji Islands when I was drinking kava kava all those years while I was an ethnobotanist collecting plants. And we would sit in a circle and we would pass the cup around, the little half 
coconut cup filled with kava kava yangona, piper methysticum, and we would continuously drink the yangona, and I would hear the chanting, the amdo, amdo, amdo. We would drink this kava kava, and there'd be a, unifi- a unification of the people in the room. So I felt it there, I felt it here, I felt it there. So as a result, I'm a wanderer. I'm still a wanderer. So I go into this place, and I said, what am I going to tell them? And here's what I told them. See, I'm still building you up to what I'm going to tell them. How many minutes has this been already? 12 minutes, and I'm just getting started? So I start the, the talk today, and I say to them, I was in this little hotel 40 years ago when there was a medical scientific meeting of the Orthomolecular Medical Society, and I had the honor of being present with some of the greatest minds of my generation, of my time, in the orthomolecular medical movement. And Linus Pauling Jr. spoke there, and I never forgot that day in this little place in downtown, a, a little town in, in, in California. And all these years that I've gone past that hotel, I remember that day of 40 some odd years ago when the Orthomolecular Medical Society met in that little hotel. It was a high point in my life, I said to this little congregation today. And I said, I've waited for 40 years, like Moses wandered in the desert for 40 years. I waited 40 years for another moment like that. And I said, I have it today with you because these lovely young people who came out from Brooklyn and created this little synagogue through the Lubavitcher Hasidic movement, they created, they brought God to this town. It was another high moment for me. So I said, thank you for bringing it. I said to the young rabbi with this beautiful little baby, this little baby, this beautiful little baby, loved seeing this little baby, this beautiful young couple. They're sent out around the world to bring God's word around the world. It's a beautiful thing. And I said, well, that was a nice moment and I wanted to share that with you. And there's another thing I want to tell you today, which is that there are no atheists in an ER room. Let me tell you that story. I said to them today, as I'm telling it to you now on YouTube. I said, a few years ago, I had a medical incident. They rushed to the hospital, put me on the gurney, injected me with something as they wheeled me in for some kind of procedure to do with the heart. And I said, I started chanting in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echod Baruch Shem Kavod Yolom Vo'ed. It's the prayer that you say, and you're supposed to say the Shema when you're dying. And I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I wanted to pray to God. So I prayed over and over again, like a broken record, into the ER room. Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu And I repeated it in English, over and over, Hebrew and English, Hebrew and English, Hebrew and in the way in. So when it's all over, the surgeon, the young guy, summa cum laude from Harvard, I realized, I learned afterwards, a young Hispanic kid, a brilliant guy, was the surgeon. And he said to my wife, the next day he said, your husband was delirious. He was, mum- <laughs> he was mumbling all the way into, <laughs> into the ER room. So I said, doctor, I wasn't mumbling, I was praying. You know, I was praying. I was not mumbling, I was praying. So I said, that is the dichotomy between science and faith. But I, as a, as a human being who's trying to integrate science and faith, after all, I wrote God, Faith, and Reason a number of years ago because to me, science and faith are not disconnected. 
In fact, it takes great faith to be a great scientist. Actually, it takes a great faith to be a great scientist. Faith in so many things. Faith in learning. Faith in healing if you're a doctor. It's not just technical stuff. When I was in graduate school at UC Berkeley, I had a a professor who was an MD. All three were MDs. I'm a PhD from UC Berkeley in three fields. And and the the, the doctor said to me, my thesis chairman, he said, Michael, he said, you know, we can study all we want about healing and about heart attacks. This was in the 70s. And he said to me, he said, I've done autopsies on uh, people who've died from heart attacks. And he said, the hearts, their arteries are perfectly clear. He said, what you should learn from this is that there's a mystery in life and a mystery in death and a mystery in medicine. And he said, the mystery is explained, as I put it together years later, that healing or disease is in three parts. There's the environment, meaning what you do to yourself, smoking, eating fatty foods, sugar, too much salt. You can modify your health so many different ways by you are what you eat. We're a living being. We probably feed our dogs and cats better than we feed ourselves. What people feed themselves, wow. I go to restaurants, the tiramisu, the salt, the cooking shows. You wouldn't do that to a dog. You'd kill the dog in in a very short period of time. So is is the environmental element in disease and health? What you do, what you're exposed to, even falling down a flight of stairs, that's an environmental thing. The environmental part of the pie, there's the genetic part of the pie that cannot be denied, that we have no control over. We inherit certain strengths and certain weaknesses. And then there's the third part, he said, the mysterious, three. We can control only the environmental. We can't control the genetic and we can't control the mysterious. So when we come to religion, which is sort of what I'm doing for you now, it is why I say to you, there are no atheists in an ER room. So the next time, God forbid, you should get really sick, try to pray. Just pray to God, Almighty God, to deliver you from the evil, from the, from the, deliver you from the gates of hell, deliver you from the, the next world right now. Say you're not ready to go. Beg him for life. Beg him for life. Don't tell God anything. Beg him. That's called prayer. Don't be arrogant in the ER room. Don't be arrogant in your healing. You'll get nowhere. Humility requires, you know, a while ago I did a podcast, now that I remember, with a Jewish gangster. Oh, no, no, I wrote about him in God, Faith, and Reason. Right. Oh, I got to find that book. I got to find that book. God, Faith, and Reason. Here's it. Paperback copy. It's actually a very important book to me. And there's one of them called Jewish Gangster Finds God on page 173. It just came back to me. I could spend hours reading from this book. Jewish Gangster Finds God. And it was a man who grew up under much different circumstances than I did. For a long time... He was a gangster, Michael Hardy, a murderer, a killer, a real one. Bugsy Siegel was his godfather. He was, by his own admission, a murderer. 
He grew up by the, he died shortly after this interview with me. This was a man who grew up in the even tougher Brownsville section of Brooklyn, New York. He became a hard person. He said there's a difference between very hard, being very hard-minded, very tough, very uncompromising, and then crossing that line and be, a, being able to cut someone's throat with a soda bottle. I asked him what had driven him to become the criminal he used to be. I don't want to read you this right now. I'll, maybe I'll do that a whole other time. That's not the point of where I'm going today. I was going to being broken in order for you to see God. So yeah, this guy is tough as nails, a murderer, in and out of prison most of his life. And he said to me, he said to me that in order to know God, you have to be broken. You have to be broken. This is a tough man now. This is not some wimpy guy who's giving you some PCBC, okay? PCBS. He had an awakening because he said, I was broken. I wish I could find the exact line. I just told you the story anyway. So I said to him, are killers born or made? He said both. He said both. So this killer, Michael Hardy, changed. He had decided not to be a killer any longer. He took a personal decision on his part to become a different person for him to be saved. In other words, by turning to God, he saved himself. That's what he said. I'll read you this. Here's how he put it to me. Maybe you're a prisoner listening to this. I don't know if you can get this on YouTube or you're out of jail. He said, now what changed my life? He said, I was in Corcoran, one of the worst prisons on earth. He said, I had sepsis of the spine. Okay, I helped a guy escape out of Donovan Prison. A guy named Dave Finney, he says. I got the warden fired. I did it for that reason, to get the warden fired. <laughs> anyway, what happened is I was dying, okay? And I made a prayer. I said, Lord, this cop came in and he started making me sit up. I had sepsis. I had such pain in my back. I had a few days to go. I said, if you ever did this to me on the yard, I'd kill you. But now I'm dying, so you're coming in here to feed off me. He said, well, I said, but I'm getting out in a few days. He said, no, you're not. You're doing life. I said, no, I get out November 27th. He must have looked at the computer. I never seen him again. I was dying, okay? I made a prayer that night. God, please don't let me die. I promise on my soul I will change my life. This is after 27 years of prison. Now I finally broke, he wrote, just a couple of days after I'd finished 17 years for murder. Okay, I broke. But I only broke, but I said, I won't take any vengeance on nobody, and I won't do anything except. I had to interrupt him at that point and ask, whoa, 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 you said broke? You broke? What do you mean, you changed? I broke, yes, I did, he said. God broke me. God, Adonai, El. He's the one that broke me. He broke me. It's an interesting use of the word broke. Hardy said God broke him. I asked him what he meant. He said, because God comes to you if you, he sends people to you. If you don't listen to him, okay, he said, he's going to find a way to break you. He's going to bring you to him and be thankful he does. Because if he doesn't, then you're lost. You go into Gehenna, and I know that. This is the culture that I come from. This is the Jewish culture, okay? Let me tell you, Michael, I was born into a war zone in Brownsville. It started out with the Profaci Gallo War. Well, that's the story. And he talks about how he was broken and how that breaking of him 
brought him to God. And now I'll close for you today with a quote from the book. I did something interesting in this book. I would write my own stuff, and then I would do a quote from the Old Testament. And so at the end of this little, in the middle of this chapter, I write from Micah chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. Woe unto them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. When the morning is light, they execute it, because it is in the power of their hand, and they covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. Micah 2, 1 to 2, in God, faith, and reason. Tonight's sermon, for those of you who are understanding of what the high holidays are or wanted to know what the high holidays are, 5783, there are no atheists in an ER room. I'm Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. I hope to see you again. Goodbye now. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.